Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Canada. And I'm Margo Moss. We're here at Ted's Crosstop on Claiborne and Calhoun in Uptown New Orleans. Once a week, Margo and I meet here at Ted's and we invite a member of New Orleans restaurant and food community to join us. And we invite them to bring along a friend, a plus one. And we never know who their plus one's going to be. Sometimes it's a friend, a neighbor, a masseuse, uh, a family member, a fellow restaurant business colleague, whoever it is. But in just a few moments, we're going to be talking with our special guest. And we are very excited tonight to have with us at Midnight Menu Plus One. Craig Geisicki, chef and journalist, and so much more. So while we are eagerly anticipating our special guest, Margo, I'm wondering uh, what's the latest here at Ted's in your life, food-wise? Well... You got a big day coming up this week, right, at Ted's? Yes. Um, the Travel Channel is coming. Very cool. We're very excited. There, It's a new show, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say what it is oh. i might be and when in doubt i could it tell out you then, yeah. but then i'd have to kill you right so but it's a it's a travel it's the travel channel and Grand there's Saint a show Saint. about hamburgers i can say a that a whole much. show about hamburgers yeah they're just filming for our lotto burger they're filming us i think your lotto burger's lotto worth burger. the whole episode definitely um i don't think we'll be the only hamburger Okay. On the show, okay. but apparently the um, the host loves the Lotto Burger. Okay. So that is, I'm very excited. And Mr. Ted Sternberg, who started Ted's Frostop, wow, is going to be able to join us. So. And he's like 87 or something, 84. He, he's yes. But he's climbing ladders and doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's really, uh, we're really excited that they want to do this. And uh, I will tell you more about it. It will be Our out next show. Next show. After it's over. Details, yes. All right. And that'll be before it airs, probably, anyway, right? I mean, it's not going to air right yeah, away it on won't Travel Channel. They're going to take it. For a couple months. A couple months. Okay, that's good. We'll definitely want to hear more about that. How was your anything? Uh, um, I can't remember. I, uh, <laughs> I eat so much. Well, today, I. Uh, what did I have for lunch that was so good? Oh, St. James Cheese Company. I had the uh, amazing um, steak and uh, blue cheese sandwich with the side salad. I don't know why anybody would get the chips instead of the salad. That salad's so good. And it was just, it was extraordinary. And I got an idea for making my own macaroni and cheese. I went up to see what they do, and they won't tell you what kind of cheese they use. It says a mystery blend of cheeses because they know people will copy it. But I think I figured out roughly what kind of cheese it is. I'm going to try it at home. I'm sure it's not going to come out like theirs. They have amazing mac and cheese. It's like in the top two or three greatest in the universe. That well, I, I would imagine that. I've never tried it, but, I mean, they're cheese company. I would right. think that. Oh, looks Craig's like here. Our... And you know what? We've said his name once, his last name, and I think that's all we're going to do because that's a hard one. Can what you nationality say it for us, is that? though? It's bohemian. Bohemian. Literally bohemian. Yes. So you're not just a bohemian in lifestyle. You're a bohemian. I'm yes. making assumptions, but... You're uh, you're ethnically bohemian too. Yes, I, I mean I say that based on your on your, the fact that you're a chef and you got a ponytail. Maybe you're not bohemian <laughs> at all. No, um, I qualify as a bohemian both ways. All right, a bobo, a bourgeois bohemian. <laughs> all right, oh, nice. Wow, I didn't know we had a term for that. Oh yeah. Okay, oh, good. Yeah. Oh, that we. Uh, that, that's Bobo's in Paradise and all that stuff. Yeah, right. was, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I know, yeah, I remember this now. I don't, I don't get the reference. What? 
Bobos in Paradise. That was a book. Right. Yeah. It was okay. coined by, now I'm forgetting the guy's name, he writes for the Times. He's kind of a moderate to liberal Republican. Um, trying to remember who it name. was. Yeah. Well, he wrote two. Bobos in Paradise was the first, and then he had And a it has to do with Bohemian? I never read the book. <laughs> I just know the you title. You just like the, the, the Well, how do you know you want to be referred to as a, a Bobo? Well, I am bourgeois, <laughs> in an economic term at least. And I guess I'm somewhat bohemian. I've been told I am, <laughs> I guess. So you're uh, kind of a literary guy. I was a... I was a journalist for 32 years. 32 years. Mm -hmm. That was my first career. That's, that's a whole career, 32 years. Mm -hmm. I left the Associated Press in 04 and went into another high-profit world of <laughs> food, the culinary world, right? <laughs> which is completely even more low-paying than uh, the journalism world. But... Um, it was a natural transition because I had started the food business on the side when I was still working at the AP. And uh, so when my wife and I split in 04, I uh, figured, well, if I'm going to go full time with the food business, I may as well do it now. Was this a way to escape alimony? Is that why you're, you were trying to get your income down low so you didn't have to pay us anything? <laughs> I you wish I'd have thought of that at the time. <laughs> That was not an issue. It was a very amicable <laughs> split. Uh, okay. Oh, nice. She's still that, one of the best friends I have. Now, so wait, so you were a journalist with a food thing on the side. Now you're right. a food guy with the journalism thing on the side. Kind of, still right. right for the Uptown Messenger. Still have the weekly column. Maybe one of the best local little neighborhood uh, online papers I've ever seen. I mean, just fantastic. They just expanded in the mid-city. Right, I saw that. Great. And um, Robert Morris who's yes. uh, the owner and editor, is a jewel of an individual. and uh, He's one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met. He's, yeah. he's amazing, yeah. He's a good writer. Uh, he's a very thoughtful editor. Um, he knows when to back off. He knows when to make a suggestion. Right. And um, uh, I don't get paid for doing the column, but I don't care. Oh, didn't know but, that. Because huh. I still get to write each week. Oh, so... You, I'm sorry. You were passionate about writing when you started out as a journalist. Oh I yeah. Mean, was it a, a? Thank you. And yes. did you love it the whole time you were doing it? Yeah. Was um, it? There were a couple of things that happened. Um, one, the food business. I had. I started out selling just around the area of um, Tallahassee, Florida, which is where I lived at the time and down on the Gulf Coast and stuff like that. But um, after about a year, I sold my products from Jacksonville, Florida to Houston. And uh, so I had a huge space to cover. Um, I was doing the manufacturing. I was doing the sales. I was doing the delivery. Every weekend, I'd be here, or I would be in Jacksonville, or I'd be in St. Augustine, or almost as far down as uh, uh, the Tampa Bay area. And so I just didn't have the time anymore. And it was at the point journalism was starting to change more rapidly into what it is now. 
um, more web-based. Um, when I went to a journalism conference back in the mid-80s somewhere, when I was with UPI, we had a seminar where the presenter projected far into the future in the year 2000. <laughs> um, people will choose their own news. They won't have to rely on, on an editor or, or they won't have huh. to rely on a presenter or an analyst or anything. They'll choose their own news on the internet. And we all thought, no, no. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what did that you think of happen. that? Yeah. Um, but it did happen. And um, a lot of us who had been in the business a little longer were frankly uncomfortable with the change. Yeah. Um, some of them who a few years older than I am uh, took early retirement. They didn't want to adjust. This was a change at AP, you mean? Generally, in, in generally in the industry, all of journalism. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the AP uh, was and is uh, a bit more traditional in a lot of ways. It operates more conservatively, um, so there was a place for us at the AP a little longer than at other news outlets around the country. Okay. So I decided now's a good time to go. Now, so now weren't you the AP? Um, Bureau head or something like that in Florida when the no. uh, 2000 election Bush Gore thing. I was happened. the broadcast editor in the Tallahassee Bureau. Okay. Uh, Tallahassee is a great small city. Um, all the public schools are good. It's a great place to raise a family. Um, it's, I, I guess, a hundred, hundred and twenty-five thousand people in the city itself. Huh. Uh, but. Uh, it's also the capital of the fourth largest state in the country. Right. So everybody had to come to Tallahassee for one reason or another. And in the presidential election of 2000, we were the epicenter. And uh, I mean, and the whole world was looking at Tallahassee because right. that's where and it was decided uh, by, what, 100 votes or whatever it was in Florida, and it was all that controversy. Right. right. Yeah. And it all had to go through the Capitol complex. It was just a couple of blocks away. And as broadcast, um, as a guy in charge of broadcast wire, all the broadcast uh, stuff, the copy, came through me. So I made the calls on the stuff that went in with stories and things like that. So basically you're taking credit for Bush getting, getting re-elected? Uh, re Not on your life. <laughs> <laughs> Not on your life. I would like to know um, how the creative process with writing, if there, if you can compare that, if you looked at ah. the creative process of, say, creating a plate of food, is there any Everybody has their own method. Uh, mine is best described as seat of pants. Uh, I won't write something just because I have to write something. Um, I would be a terrible paid columnist. You know, every Wednesday you have to have a column and it has to be X length and it has to be on a certain set of subjects. I'd be horrible at that. And similarly, I'm not as good at um, going with a set menu, or at least not for any huh. length of time. Um, I'll experiment a lot. 
um, some things that might not sound like they would go good together. It's only food, so I'll try it and throw it out there. Huh. Well, uh, that sounds very creative to me. That doesn't sound not good. That sounds exciting and sometimes it fun works. And sometimes it doesn't. It it usually works. The more experience you have, the more you know the things that go together. Um, but uh, sometimes it doesn't work. And so... Um, I would think New Orleans would be a good place, though, to have that kind of attitude for cooking because I think there's a lot more forgiveness here and people are willing to be more open here, I think, than a lot of other places to... Yes and no. Weird things going together. Um, yes and no, huh? Oh. Yes. Um, this is a tremendous food town on several, on several levels. Uh, one is the overall cuisine and preparation here is so good no matter what's being made just because of the expertise um, on the other hand um, I think way too many spots especially the closer you get to the French Quarter are too tourist oriented they're too much in the jambalaya, shrimp creole, gumbo, lockstep, if they can do it well or not. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that while this is one of the great food towns of the world, and I don't think anyone would argue that, the food palette here in New Orleans is not as broad as it oh. is in a lot of other towns of similar size. Interesting. Um, I can find a broader array of foods, a, a wider spectrum of food in Dallas or Atlanta or Houston. Wow. Um, it, it may be corporate in a lot of ways um, and not always locally owned, but if I want to go to have, say, German food, or if I'm in the mood for Hungarian food, or right. if I'm in the mood for food from... Um, Bohemia. The, right. <laughs> <laughs> or, say, the Windward Islands. Right, right. In large towns, I can find that. Uh, here, name a good Polish restaurant here. I was just going to say Polish. There's not one here. The two examples those give us, no Polish, zero in the whole city, and no Mongolian. The zero Mongolian city limits. I know in the Burbs there is, but the city limits none. Right. Yeah. Right. And so Hungarian, uh, I never thought of. That's that's definitely needs to be on the list. It's not a Hungarian restaurant. There might be a Hungarian dish somewhere, but right. Yeah. Right. And I'd like to see a broader spectrum here, but at the same time, I don't know if there's an audience to keep a place like that open. I huh. think now is the time. I yeah. mean, I think people. Uh, we have an influx of young people from other places, and I don't know. I grew up here, and I love to try different types of foods, and I, I, I think there would be a market for it. It gets better by the year. Yeah. Well, I mean, one example is, like, we, we pick our guests just based on personality and how much we like their food and so forth and a lot of different factors, availability. But we don't pick them for any other reason besides those sort of things. We never pick it based on geography. And just by by chance, we've only had one guest so far in the history of the church that uh, of the show that was that was um, 
that was born in New Orleans. Everybody's like you, somebody from outside. Mm -hmm. right. So I feel like there's a lot of outside influences coming in, and they come and they, 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 they buy into the core values in New Orleans, but then they take it in new directions and bring what they But that's they been happening and, for a long time. Right, a Historically, long time. this yeah. is a port city, and that is what has created the city, is different people moving here and make, choosing to make it their home and making a life here and bringing their own thing to the city and adding to the culture and bringing their culture here. So, I would hope that we would see, as time goes on, more of these folks staying longer and continuing to do the things that they do to continue these outside influences. Excuse me. There are a tremendous number of folks, as I'm sure you're aware, who show up here for five or six years and do their thing, and then they move elsewhere. They always come back to have a good time. They may come back to live after they retire, but they stop doing the things that made them unique. They had to go elsewhere to make a living at it. Mm -hmm. And I think food is one of those things. Um, I don't know of a region that is more stuck on its own regional food uh, huh. th than South Louisiana. So you go to Texas. Uh, Texans love their Southwestern stuff, but if they have a party, they're less likely to serve Southwestern stuff at their house huh. as, uh, than try something new. Here, golly, you're having crawfish boil here. Or I, I, more, more generally, I would I, say. Yes. I, don't, I mean, I don't get invited to a lot of crawfish boils. I, mean, <laughs> I go to one a year, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, really? Our church has one, and, you know, it's fun, mm -hmm. but that's about it. But I don't know. Maybe. I'm, I'm just curious. How, so you've been in New Orleans? Since 04. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, do, you, do you find most of the people you uh, have become friends with are in the restaurant business? Or are there locals that you've just met along the way? Or My friends and our social circle um, is the three A's. Okay. Academics, That's... artists, and attorneys. Interesting. Wow, what a combination. <laughs> I don't know hardly anybody. Um, Who's not an academic artist or attorney? Well, who, who I hang out with on a regular basis. Why do attorneys throw in there? Just Who's in the food business? balance? Um, I, it just turned out that way. All right. I like that. Is That's your wife an attorney balanced. or something? Or? No. no? Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> She's a chef well, and an artist. <laughs> wait, now your your plus one is here now. Uh, yes, And this so is we'll Hirsch. have to pause for a second to uh, meet your plus one. Who is it? This is Hirsch Kasten. Okay. Welcome. How are you doing? T tell us about Hirsch. Why'd you Her bring Hirsch tonight? Hirsch <laughs> is a musician and a very good one. Uh, and his band has a new CD. That's not why I decided to choose him. But that's one of the things that makes him interesting. And he's also been a customer of mine for a long time. I appreciate that. <laughs> he's a devoted Craig fan of the show, away. too. You've been here how many times for a show? I think I've seen maybe half of your shows I was going to say, person. at least, right, yeah. It's different on this side of the mic. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, uh, you can be honest. Uh, Hirsch was supporting the show tonight and came in with his family, and but you didn't originally intend to bring Hirsch, right? I, I mean, I gotta, we got to be honest here. Yeah. I know, I'm, we're going to get to know, talk, everybody's going to get to know about Hirsch. But now I want, pinch hitting for Kim <laughs> Gieseke. <laughs> <laughs> right place, right time, baby. All right. My wife was supposed to be here, my wife Kim, but to use a Texas term, she is stove up. Oh. She's on the couch at home. Her back Stove is frozen up, up. Oh, so she sends her regrets. That. So hopefully she'll be a little more flexible tomorrow. All right. <laughs> Especially because this is our anniversary today. We've been <gasps> Whoa. married seven years. You're celebrating your anniversary by coming on our show together. Exactly. Thank you so wow. much. Wow. That's a first. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't happen. Congratulations. Oh. And we should say about Hirsch in this restaurant packed with people as it always is Ted's people outside the door you know lining up outside the door of all those people you picked Hirsch as the most interesting person you could find exactly. in, the, in the restaurant exactly so that's that's pretty cool too and and he's not an attorney and uh, uh, he's uh, a, uh, a, actually uh, you're an attorney <laughs> he's an attorney and an artist he's two of them are you yes. an academic too do you ever teach uh it's been a very long time oh, you see? did see when I was he's uh, all three when I was a young teenager I uh, taught computer classes to even younger teenagers. Yeah, that wouldn't make you an academic. No, it's more no, about it's, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, but, I teach. Yeah, but you hit the trifecta. That's good. Yeah, that's pretty that's impressive. Good, and you didn't even know that about him, really. You and I think I think one it. of the things I learned in law school is I'm supposed to have a little disclaimer now that my my uh, law degree is on uh, inactive status. Wow. So you know, I'm not giving any advice. You know, don't don't anybody <laughs> act on my. <laughs> so nobody call in and ask uh, some technical question. That Absolutely not. They'll, they'll <laughs> sue based on his uh, professional uh, status. Yeah, that's right. Well, who said it? Must be true. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never. You learned something. I new. had. It's kind of like you can't get in a fight if you're a black belt, right? Because if you hurt the guy, then you then you're in trouble. That's right. So if you give any quasi legal advice on our show, very dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. Okay. I had. We'll keep that in mind. Never thought to ask what you do. See, that's one of the things I really like about New Orleans. Yes. Right. Now, see, mo my business is mainly in Florida and Pennsylvania. I don't. Uh, I'm in the real estate business, and uh, I don't have any business in New Orleans. And one of the things I love about going out here is that I'm friends with people all over town, and I think half of them don't know what I do for a living because <laughs> we talk about Mardi Gras, Everything else. we talk about music, we talk about food, right, right, and we, you know, we talk about whatever, you know, we talk about what we're going to eat next, the next <laughs> restaurant, right? Yeah. But uh, nobody wants. Who wants to talk about what they do for work? Well, you know, right? that's you an know? interesting point. I've noticed that in New Orleans, it's so different from where I'm from. Uh, your work status. You know, it matters to people, but it's so much lower here than other places. It defines you everywhere else. You are right. what you work, you know? And in New Orleans, it's not, it's not that much. I mean, I have lots of people like that in my life who I know pretty well. I run into them all the time. I talk to them, and I, I can't tell you what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's kind of neat, actually. Me too. I, it's yeah. one of the things I love about this town is that it's, it's not all about work. Yeah. I mean, it's a place for it, but yeah. I, I uh, hate to make it about me, but I just have a a funny little thing because Hirsch Katzen and my husband Dan Weiner are in the band Coot together oh. and uh, Coot is in our jukebox we, <laughs> we uh, took out a CD and, and we're excited to have Coot in our jukebox but also I was just going to say that um, when I first met my husband he said so what do you do and oh. I really didn't 
think that meant what do you do for a living? Like, he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I, you know, well, I was like, I work, I work, I work. I'm like, I work on being happy every day. And, you but know, I'm, I'm oh. doing a lot of interesting things. And he's like, no, I mean, what do you do? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you mean? What do I do? <laughs> like, I didn't, re- I didn't realize that that was, that's how he associated identity, I guess, when I first, uh, uh, hmm. so I, I, I do think that's true. I'll tell you, if this, show, if this show survives and we go on much longer, I'm going to find out all this stuff about you earlier. Every show you reveal like another little <laughs> sliver of that first few months of you and okay. your husband. That's great. <laughs> I like that. Well, uh, she looks back on it question? so fondly. No, not yeah. book of questions yet. Oh, because you picked it up. That's what I thought I'm, you were I'm, doing. It's a security blanket oh, okay. for when we get there. <laughs> Wow, um, you may be the only one in America that uses the book of questions for a security blanket. <laughs> some people have the Bible, they have the rosary, they'll have like, you know, something. You, 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 you have the book of questions. Um, a locket from the grandmother. No, you It's because I don't smoke anymore. What's your security my hands blanket, busy. Craig? I don't know, a bottle of bourbon? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the Offbeat magazine for me. Offbeat magazine's your security blanket? Yeah, yeah, you get it each month, you flip through every page, you see what's going on, I mean, it feels good having it in your hands. Mine is Smithsonian Magazine. There you go. It's, it arrives, and immediately I feel more worldly, (laughs) more comfortable, (laughs) more in touch. So, yeah, I like Smithsonian Magazine, so I understand how you feel about that. Huh. Well, I would like to know a little bit about your restaurant days. And when, when Hirsch, you had had eaten at his restaurant. Sure, Mac- I've, I've been a fan of Craig and the restaurant's called Janita's. I uh, I first heard of Craig through his blogs after Katrina, and I was looking for on the ground information about what was going on in town, and and I was getting exposed to blogs, and I got exposed to Craig's, and he's a writer for a living, so he writes a good blog, and. Uh, I just ended up being one of the nameless strangers that would check in <laughs> with his blog. He didn't know me, but I, I read it regularly. And so I heard that he had this restaurant on Magazine Street. And when we moved back to town, uh, my son Miles and I used to go there for breakfast. They had pancakes. And the great thing about Janita's This is when it was, on, it was on Magazine on near magazine. Jackson. Uh, was it near Jackson? Um, it near was uh, that last one-way block of Magazine right, right. as you like head out of Like two or three town. blocks past Jackson, right? Um, yeah. Between St. Mary and St. Andrew. Right, right, right. So in addition to good food and friendly staff, the pancakes would come out with their signature animal cracker standing in the pancakes. So big hit nice. with kids. and so That's your version of the Happy Meal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Every plate came with an animal cracker. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, So one day that'll be revived, I hope. What's stopping you? I'm in the middle of a project right now. I'm working as a chef at Rouse's on Carrollton right now. Right. You so may be the greatest the grocery store chef in history, by the way. <laughs> Hardly. And Rouse's Amen. may be with the greatest grocery store in history. I absolutely love <laughs> Rouse's. It's uh, unbelievable. But, but uh, to have you know, some of your caliber, that, that doesn't happen in grocery stores that often. They let me do pretty much what I want to do within certain guidelines. And this is separate from the cellar, right? The cellar that they have is their pop-up kind of restaurant there. Yes. But your, yours is the prepared food part, right? Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, the chef case and the hotline. Uh, and that's fun. But I'm helping 
some friends assemble a new bar and restaurant in uh, the warehouse district. Oh, what's it called? Um, it'll be open in the middle of February. That's the target. And I'm going to let them Announce take the it. lead on that. Oh, okay. Um, That's exciting. It's, um, they found a nice space and cut it back to the bare walls, and it's being completely redone. It's an area that's familiar to a lot of New Orleanians, but I'm I'm just helping them assemble the kitchen and stuff for now. Great. Can I tell one story about you? I just got to get yes. it over with, otherwise I'm going to be distracted waiting for my opportunity to tell the story. Sure. I, I eat a lot. You know, I don't know if you know about my eating thing, but I, I eat a tremendous amount <laughs> at a lot of different places, right? And... Um, and I can say I've only had one mystical experience while eating, and it was, it was at Avenue Pub, mm-hmm. eating St. Chuck Duck. Now, I don't know if it was the beer, if it was the night, the beautiful weather, but let, let me just tell you this, though. I, I was, I, I have a, you know, eating's not my profession. This is what I do, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have another job, and it involves, uh, you know, religion, and my, my uh, a parishioner was asking me this very sophisticated question on baptism that normally I would love to answer. I was unable to speak. I lost all control of my senses while eating the St. Chuck Duck. I got, I got tunnel vision. I could barely see. I could just see the sandwich. I could just see the caramelized onions and the apple and whatever else was in there and the duck. And, uh, and I also had a side of the, um, the uh, blue cheese stuffed apricots, which were amazing, the too. Buddha's the Buddhist temptation. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you know what? In, stuff, in comparison, right? maybe it was the combination. I don't know, maybe it was like a chemical reaction between the two. But I, 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 I seriously, like, I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't see anything. It was like I was, I, I was a little nervous even. And it was to the point where, I mean, I preached on it the next, next Sunday. I, I mentioned your, your sandwich at length to people in about five minutes in the sermon. But I also um, never, I went back to You Avenue mentioned Pub. the food in the sermon? Oh, without a doubt. I gave a blow by blow this whole thing. <laughs> I, it's not the first time, but this was, it was a memorable uh, illustration. But, um, From geez, his but, mouth to God's ears. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Look at that. But, you know, but here, here's the thing. I went back to Avenue Pub a lot because I like it, and I got your food again a lot the whole you know whole time you were you were cooking there but i um i didn't get the saint chuck duck again because i was afraid it would never match that experience i didn't want to come down from the mountaintop you know what i mean i wanted to stay there in my memory so it was almost a victim of its own success in my life because i couldn't eat it again uh i just i've had one in my life if you start making it again, i'll never eat another one because i'm afraid we will be making it again it it Um, was such a magnificent sandwich though thank you i'm complimented yeah (laughs) i mean it comes from me which i don't know what i'm talking about but you know both those items will be reappearing soon great so i'll let you know (laughs) and i I ate your food at rendon in too that was great too it was just in a bad location because it was hard to get to for a lot of people awful location Uh, rendon in's been there since 1933 or something and it was great before katrina because it was college hangout and folks had gone there for generations and um but it was closed for a couple years and got wrecked in the storm and out of sight out of mind yeah Yeah. honestly i forgot about it Mm mm-hmm you know, because you I mean, I didn't, past I, it really. I, it's not I a main drag there, is it? Yeah, I didn't realize me. it had Mm-mm. opened up again because nobody realized it had opened up again. But um, I'm so sad if I that I missed the opportunity. But something you'll you're gonna uh, move in, move on into a another. I'm eating. Okay, no, it's that's like fine. It's still like Soren Kierkegaard, you know, he wrote in Danish, and there's only like four million Danish speakers in the world. It was kind of unfortunate for him <laughs> to write in Danish. It took a long time for people <laughs> to discover him. He almost didn't get discovered. <laughs> sort of like, that, you know, it's like you're making this great food, but it's at the Rendon Inn. Not, not to slam the Rendon Inn, but just the location. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the world was not getting your, getting your food because of the, just because you, of the spot you were in. 
I mean, it seems like Rouse's even would be a better uh, outlet for you than that in terms of exposure. I was raised raising cattle, <laughs> raised outside of Dallas. My daddy raised cattle, and if you've ever watched cows go from point A to point B, they always follow the same path, and there's little cattle trails all over through the woods because they follow one another and they wear a track in the road, go on the ground. A lot of us are that way when it's time to eat. We get stuck in a rut, and I'm as guilty as anyone else. Um, I used to work at Dick and Jenny's. All right. And Love when that. I'm in the mood for that kind of food, I go to Dick and Jenny's. Now, there are half a dozen places that have a similar menu that is just as well prepared. Some of them are closer to my house. But when it's time to eat, I go to Dick and Jenny's. Hmm. And I need to try these other spots. Right. And I think most of us get in those same kinds of ruts. Yes. We always think, I want to go to this new place, but, uh, well, I don't know, I'll go next time. Well, except for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's been one of the things I've enjoyed about listening to this show over the past few months, is that it's been a, it's been a heads up to check out places I haven't checked out. Huh. And for me, hearing the chefs talk on the radio has really uh, piqued my interest in wanting to go to the place. So, you know, we went to Cowbell, and oh, wow. we uh, went to Dominica as a result of that show. And wow, okay. N we've that been to a few of them. Neither of those, yeah. Um, yeah. We've only, had great, we've only had great food so far on the show. We haven't had a guest yet that, that we don't like the food. It's been amazing. I think it's time for book questions, isn't it? Yes. This is your moment, Margo. No, no now the pressure's <laughs> on. This is the... Uh, goofy part, but I I it's would like favorite. to ask y'all book of questions. Hmm. Here, would you do it too? Would no, you do it I, I didn't mean part? to take it from you. No, 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 no. Because no, no, it's not. Come on. This is her. But no, this, uh, because while you're uh, you give uh, Ray your favorite number. You pick your favorite number between one and two hundred and seventeen, but and he pulls out of this. Uh, Bestseller. I'm sure you you in yes. your pursuit. <laughs> yes, I have seen the book. Uh, we ask you the question. So, what is your favorite number between one and two hundred seventeen, or your least favorite? One hundred and forty-six. Well, I don't think we've had that one yet. Okay. And while he's looking it up, up, oh, he's too quick. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> um. Okay, this is such a 1980s question. All right, if you know. Soviet Union hadn't fallen yet or whatever. If you knew a thermonuclear holocaust would occur in precisely 20 years and no one would survive it, how would you change your present life? I wouldn't. You wouldn't change uh, anything? No. All right. No. That deserves, I love not, that. Not uh, one I You thought about this before. Okay. They asked Martin Luther what he'd do if the end of the world was happening at the end, and he said, I'd plant a cherry tree. You know, you just go, you, you do what you do, you do it. You just go on and move, you know? Right. Act as if it's not happening. <laughs> I don't know if that'd be me, though. Huh. Hirsch, you well, gonna yeah, pick a number? number. You're I pick a number. The same. Yeah, you can't you do can, the same one. No, yeah. no, we gotta give them. This is one. the only part of the show that makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, has anyone picked 217 yet? I don't think so. We gotta go to the back of the book. <laughs> Let's see. What does that say about you? 
You, are you, do you like to read the last page of a book? Oh, this is a great question. It's going to be really difficult, though. This is great. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> this may ruin your life, your marriage, your career, but this, this will be really interesting for us. No, I'm just kidding. No if pressure. You were, if you were guaranteed honest responses to any three questions, who would you question and what would you ask? Oh, my God. <laughs> you could ask him, yeah. <laughs> my god why that's that's one right okay. that's one all right <laughs> kind of cheating but okay well, that, <laughs> i'm just kidding from you i mean that, that should be a good question right all right uh oh boy um i don't know i might need some help um is there anyone in your family that's deceased that you would like to know something that oh, maybe yeah, would change say, your uh, they, doesn't say they can't be that's an interest be. that's an interesting that's an interesting way of putting it um yeah i you know i often feel like when my parents or grandparents talk about their parents and their grandparents it it kind of saddens me that that everything gets distilled down to just a couple stories um I'd love to hear my grandparents' impressions of their own kids, my parents now. I think that would be very interesting. All right. Um, That's a good one. That's two. You only got one more to go. That's technically two people. You said grandparents. Oh, no. But, come you on. know, you got to give us another one. Um, That's a good answer. Unless you would like to help if you have one question. I have a question for Craig. Oh. How might a non-chef like me even get close to making a Buddha's temptation. I mean, <laughs> a deep I, I want to make I want to make a, a reverend weep. <laughs> how, how does one do that? A, a deep fryer helps, ah. and they're cheap and easy to find. And aside from that, you just wrap the apricot with the bacon after you stuff it with blue cheese. It's so, do you, so do you think it's the design or the execution or both? Both. Okay. Both. Huh. I would ask Thomas Jefferson what they really meant <laughs> when they put all this stuff together 200 years ago. What did they really mean? Are we getting it right? That whole militia and bearing arms stuff? That's part of it. <laughs> but about the whole Bill of Rights. What are we getting wrong? What is being seen wrong now from what the intention was at the time? I want to know just to shut a, shut a lot of people up, frankly. <laughs> right. <laughs> End of that question. All right. That's a good answer. Two good this answers. This is going yeah. back to what you were, you were talking about, uh, helping your friends out. But I was reading in, in the blog about uh, you were talking about your experiences opening up a bit uh, restaurant, mm -hmm. and, and I'd like you to sh can you share a little bit about uh, the beginning process and what that looks like, and what keeps people from getting past that? And and if you were mayor, what would you do to change that? If I was the mayor, I would give the same talk to the licensing and inspection folks that somebody gave the IRS years ago 
that is to tell them you'll get a lot farther and do a better job if you try to help people instead of trying to stand in their way. Mm. Don't just read rules. Help them to comply with the rules as much as they can. Encourage them, don't obstruct them. Mm. Okay. Um, licensing is a daunting thing in the restaurant business, especially if you plan to sell alcohol. Uh, it's, it's, it's time consuming. Um, it's frustrating. Uh, you're having to deal with the it's arbitrary and the sometimes. Feds. It can seem arbitrary, but really it's not. Mm. Um, how, how arbitrary it is depends on the applicant and how they react to the various things they're asked to do. The other thing that is the most daunting thing of all for anyone, not just in the food business, but in any business, um, and I've owned three, is to make the decision to enthusiastically put yourself out there. Um, the hardest thing for, I guess, a singer or say a performer yeah. or um, a painter or a poet or writer is to drop as much of your personal guard as you can and put yourself out there. And even if you're opening a shoe store or if you're an attorney or anything like that, there's still an element of that there. You have to want to uh, be who you are and what you are. And a lot of folks just can't make that jump. And once you can, then everything else is a lot easier. N not saying don't be scared because it's a scary process. But you have to push through that. Is that drive what, uh, is that, was that part of your personality too when you like switch from writing to food? I mean, do you think, not, not everybody has the confidence or the ability to take a risk or even though you were doing it on the side and, but that, that's a pretty big change to make after a certain amount of time. Was we your did. name on the byline of everything you wrote and so yes. forth? Okay, yes. so you did have that a little bit when you were writing, yeah. too. Um, Is that something learned, or you think that it's, it's something part of you? It's something observed uh, and admired in others, and eventually you build up the self-confidence, or you get drunk enough, <laughs> and you try it. So did you have to get drunk to make the leap to into no, the business, no. or do you have to well, stay drunk while you're doing the business? To uh, I have made leaps while. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, buy a boat, buy a house, have children. Um, <laughs> but we did what last night? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I guess... 
Um, this is taking quite a turn on your anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I hope that has nothing to do with why your wife's back is uh, well, no. I hope <laughs> Whoa. Maybe it Talking about a different wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, Theodore Roosevelt did a speech in the early 1900s uh, that is easy to find on the Internet. Um, if you do a search for um, the man in the arena. And the point of the speech is, is that the honor and glory goes to the guy who is down in the arena playing the game or fighting the battle, um, not to those who are in the stands screaming and yelling that he's doing good or he's doing bad. That, <laughs> that if, you, if the guy in the arena wins or loses is immaterial. The fact he was in the arena doing mm. the work makes him a better individual mm. than someone who's not in the arena. And <clears throat> I've always thought there's a guy that I work with now at Rouse's who played in the NFL for a series of years. Um, huh. He was not a star, but he made it. He played for the Saints now? No. He played for Kansas City for most of his career. Um, but... Even though he wasn't a star, he was not all pro, uh, he was a defensive back, I don't know how much he played. But for a few years of his life, he was at that level. Right. He was in the arena. Yeah. And that's something to be admired. Mm. I know, we, tr we, we talk about sports figures that fail as if they're losers, and it's like... Exactly. You know, it's like, they made it to the major leagues. That's a major accomplishment. It's, yeah, a bad quarterback in the NFL is like an incredible accomplishment. Exactly, and <laughs> it's better to be a has-been than to be a never-was. Yeah. So. How about you, Hirsch? Do, do you resonate with any of that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um... um I don't know. I, I, I'm a little spellbound by someone that can tell a story about Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> well, just tell about you. What I mean, what, what do you? You're, yeah, I mean, you have to get up there and perform in New front Orleans, people. right? You're, you, you, you I moved grew up here in Florida. about 20 years ago. And That's a long was time. That, was that? But I never elite? went to high school here, so I'll never be accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. Oh, no, come on! You're more. We love you. Um, <laughs> Really, but really all your <laughs> but all your business is in Florida, but you are choosing to live in New Orleans because why you you I you know it's funny that uh, every time I went to Janita's at the Rendon Inn, I always thought of this story. The the I mean <laughs> it's kind of I think the reason no, I live in New Orleans there was nothing is else to I do, saw, no one else to talk to. <laughs> no no no, I, I moved to New Orleans because I came here on a lark on my way back to college for my last semester. And I saw George Porter and the meters wow. at the hangar right next oh, door okay, to the right. Rendon Inn. Yeah. And it changed my life. I mean, I, I had never seen music like that. And uh, there, was, there was a magnet on New Orleans ever since. And, and I applied to law school and got in and came here. And, uh, Tulane or Loyola? Tulane, yeah. Okay, yeah. Were you a musician at the time? I was. Um, mm -hmm. I played in college. I mean, I've been playing music my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, interestingly, it wasn't until I came to New Orleans that um, original music became uh, more valued by me. Uh, in college, I was playing cover songs. That's, that's what you do. I mean, that's what, that's, that's how you, you do. make a living. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, 
but in New Orleans, it became instantly apparent that that you know playing someone else's music. What's what's the point in that? I mean, this is the t- this is a town of originals. It's a town of improvisation. You, yeah, and uh, that emboldens you to write your own stuff and to do your own stuff. Yeah. No, I will say, uh, you know, this is all this about entrepreneurial spirit and all. I, I'm not really sure that that's me. I, uh, I work in a family business, and my father and my brother are much more entrepreneurial than I am. I'm a little more of a back of house, you know, get stuff done. I support them. Um, and similarly, in, in the, the guys I play music with, um, you know, we have one guy who's the main, Brian is the main writer, and, and he really has the vision, and I feel like I support his vision. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in New Orleans because it's home, and it became apparent to me very quickly, the music, the food, and, and that's the thing I was saying earlier about that people don't, people don't judge you based on what you do. It's, it's about passing a good time at any given moment. You know, It's about having good friends and good food and good music. And that, there that's are about times it, you that, that I read, oh, the crime gets high, or we've got another politician going to jail, or... However, and I think life would be a lot easier in a town where the infrastructure all works and things are cleaner. Um, I lived for 20 years in Florida, and things are usually clean, and the infrastructure works and so forth. But then I get to thinking, if I moved someplace else, I'd be so horrifically bored. Yes. I wouldn't know what to do. Yes. Yeah, just to walk from my house in the Irish Channel to the convenience store down at the corner at Washington and Magazine. Every time I take that six-minute walk, there's something to remember. <laughs> you pass that house with all the stuff on the porch that has right, the, exactly. the Grinch and, the, and, he, and has a big sign say, "Please take pictures." Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that alone is worth it. Exactly. You probably walk right past Tracy's, I guess, too, to get yes. there, right? Mm-hmm. And Tracy's always has something going on in there. You got to peek your head in there. Every and I time. have to walk past parasols. Have to go, uh, yeah. And then <laughs> the, there's the sparks flying between parasols and Tracy's too. Not anymore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's calmed down now. Uh, well, yeah. Since the owner of parasols died. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, he died oh. about a month ago. Oh, oh, I missed that. Okay. I didn't know he that. died. Um, I think. The couple from Florida that just yes. bought it a couple years ago. Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah, he died, um, I think, between Christmas and New Year's. Mm. Interesting. He had a heart attack or something and died. Oh, wow. Um, and his wife still um, st- still runs it, plans to run it. Um, Thea's a real sweet lady. Huh. So it's a loss for the whole neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought everybody knew that. <laughs> no, I missed that. Part. Okay. Yeah. Well, everybody mean, hangs out at Tracy's. Didn't mean to so. bring the show down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. We can talk about real life. That's important. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be, uh, I was going to curse, but there's too many kids here. I was going to say shit and giggles, but. <laughs> you did it, though. <laughs> all right. We, we, I thought we were going to get through one show without, without Margot going blue, Ray, but no. Nope. I, I think Ray <laughs> started bringing his, his uh, kids to try and maybe that I would keep stay in line. Doesn't work. But, uh, Doesn't no, work. Sorry. Gotta it's be true okay. to yourself, Margo. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Interweb. We can say that now. <laughs> and they're all going, What's the difference? I hear that at home. But um But to me I'm going back to that. I to me, y'all are putting your you're in the arena, 
by choosing to live here. That's one way. I mean, because you don't have to live here, even though y'all appreciate it. And, I mean, you could do business in Florida. Your, your business is in Florida. It would be easier to so live in Florida for you in, in business-wise, right? And yeah. so that, and performing and, and... There was about one week, you know, we were evacuated for Katrina. And maybe, you know, in between about day five and day ten, there was a brief moment where, like, you had to contemplate... Maybe I have are, to. Are we yeah. ever going to go back there? Like, is that city going to survive? You know, when you were seeing all those pictures, and and my wife and I tried <laughs> to figure out where are we going to go, and it was just so depressing. Like, you know, we we made a short list, but nothing that that was compelling or interesting or someplace that we always dreamed of living at. Or, I mean, yeah. so I, I don't know. Before Katrina, I feel like I was really naive. And I thought New Orleans will be here forever, and I love it, and I'll I'll die here, and that'll be great. And ever since Katrina, I feel like I take it one day at a time because I really am am aware of the fact that who knows what to, what next hurricane season will bring. But I don't know. It just makes me appreciate it all the more. I mean, what that experience taught me, and we had to go up to Dallas because my mother was facing surgery anyway. So the week after. Katrina, uh, we would have not been here in town anyway. But um, what that experience taught me was I will never evacuate this town again in case of a storm. Really? My kids are grown, so that's not an issue. My so wife's kids here, don't live here. So... Um, the being away was the worst part. Hmm. Not just being away from the house, but being away from the city and not being able to, to help or to see it or to experience it. So hmm. I stayed through Isaac. I'll stay I feel through like the people now. that either stayed through Katrina or, or I don't know many of those, but the people that came back as soon as possible... I feel like had such powerful experiences. The opportunity to help and be helped and to really that was rebuild the city. The most sublime time to be here I from agree. we got back October twelfth, oh five. From there through Mardi Gras oh six mm-hmm. was the most sublime time of all to be here because all the Mardi Gras, all the holidays were for us. They weren't for the tourist. They were for us because we came to hell back. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> well, that's a good way, I think, to wrap up. We're, uh, the hour flew by pretty quickly, but they're scraping the grill, and they'll be stacking chairs soon, and we need to let you get back to your wife and her back on your anniversary. <laughs> and your wife's wondering where you are because you were probably just going off to get a burger and got roped in here. So uh, thank you. Our special guest tonight has been... A minute menu plus one has been Craig Gysicki. 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 Yes. He told, Grant we told me. We had a debate about this. I was like, <laughs> Look, and I wrote it out phonetically, and she said Gysicki, and he corrected us 12 times. No, I'm positive. <laughs> it's Gysicki. That's why I love your email address. Maybe I shouldn't say it, or, no. but it's Craig, Craig just, just Craig. Craig. Yeah, I love just, that. just Craig. Our guest That's is fun. on Midnight Menu has been Craig, just Craig, <laughs> right. and and Hirsch, and we will have more information on our website, it's neworleans.com, about Rouse's and about uh, Coot, and um, 
Our show is recorded live at Ted's Frost Top on Claiborne Avenue in Calhoun in uptown New Orleans. Ted is open seven days a week serving first-class burgers, beer, and their awesome homemade in-house root beer in a frosty mug. Midnight Menu Plus One, that is worthy of applause, the frosty <laughs> mug and delicious root beer alone. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris. And our music, our theme that's music. That's pronounced Morris, right? <laughs> Maurice. Yeah. Griant Maurice. Uh, okay. And now we're going to mess this up now. Now I'm, I'm jinxed. I can't say Brian Ruiz, who is our technical director. I think I said that right, didn't I? And our, uh, and our music, song. our theme song was written and performed, uh, performed by. by Brian Ruth. Yes. All right. I think you know him, right? I know him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you can get in touch with us here at Midnight Menu Plus One by going to our website. It's neworleans.com. From there, you can follow us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, and sign up for our mailing list. While you're at itsneworleans.com, you can listen to other episodes of Midnight Menu Plus One, as well as other shows, Happy Hour, Mindset, True to the Game, Win Win, and Out to Lunch. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, thank you. Thank you for subscribing. Maybe you could take a minute to rate us and review us, so that helps other people find us. Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. So we meet again here at Ted's Frostop. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margo Moss. Good night. Thank you. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.